Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Fremantle India Managing Director Aradna Bola about how the company has navigated the pandemic and the way the market is opening up to overseas players. And Nani Urban and Gunnar Junken, joint chief executives of Banerjee Germany scripted label made for on their first 12 months in operation. Aradhana Bola became Managing Director of Fremantle India in 2017 after joining the company in 2012 as Creative Director. The firm is best known for local versions of hit formats including Indian Idol, India's Got Talent and The X Factor India. Bola spoke to Ruth Laws about how the company tackled the challenges of producing during the pandemic, how the Indian market is opening up to overseas players and what content audiences in the country want right now. Some of the impacts are really obvious, right? For instance, uh, everyone's gone through a period where they, at least in India, where shooting was completely stopped and people couldn't shoot and that obviously impacted the output that everyone had. And to me, the larger loss for that is viewers, right? Because everyone was in repeat mode for content, which is what we all work for. So that was an obvious one. Then there's the business impact that's that's there, right? Ad revenue. I mean, that's definitely gotten impacted. Again, not unusual for the rest of the world. Same for India. But I think that what's also happened is that eventually when things did start opening up, everyone had to sort of relook at what they had. And I don't mean that just in terms of content they were producing, but largely how they were producing it, right? And then you had to find ways to be innovative and find solutions so that there's no compromise on creativity. And yet you are keeping your people safe because that was the number one priority for us here at Fremantle. And do you have any examples of some of the creative things you put into shows that you could perhaps shoot them around the pandemic? You know, Ruth, we're very lucky, right? Because we are part of a global company, right? And we've got like 30 other countries to sort of have as examples. And there were some brilliant ones right at the beginning of the pandemic. So for instance, neighbours in Australia ran right through it, right? And they had they sort of had a footprint of how they were managing it because it was a scripted series so they could, you know, reduce the numbers. Uh, similarly, if I had to take an unstupid example, very early on, we had American Idol, right? They did that show over some hard and 20 iPhones, if I remember correctly, from 25 different locations. That's inspirational stuff, right? So at one level, we had all those. We had that global knowledge, right? And these footprints and these fail-proof things, or at least very good safety guidelines. But that's one aspect. That's like having the book and then there is living the life, right? Because then you have your own local conditions, your own shows and their own demands and what you need to do for that. So we took some of that. And if I could take the example of Indian Idol, which is the first show that we went into production uh, once shooting sort of opened up. We did a lot of stuff. We learned from that and we also improvised on our own. So we did things like, it's very common now for any of our shoots. When you get the shoot schedule, there's a time set aside separately for sanitization, right? Which wasn't ever there before this virus. It's there. But we did other stuff like having colored bands. We created bubbles within the sets. So we had, you know, uh, judges and contestants and they had their places. The technical crew had their places and we limited that. We had to work around no studio audience, right? And this is a talent show, right? One of the biggest things, because I worked in season one of Indian Idol when we brought this into the country almost as old as my son, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, okay? One of the biggest things that Idols did was it brought in that whole feeling of crowds, right? People rushing in and getting that opportunity. This year, for this season, we couldn't do that. So we went completely online for it. So that's what I mean by taking the best of global knowledge and also adding our own things 
things to ensure that we still deliver irresistible entertainment safely. I just wondered if you think there are certain shows that have been more affected than others. You said scripted is perhaps a bit easier to manage during the pandemic. Do you think there were there were certain shows that were just perhaps impossible just due to the nature of how they're filmed? I'd, I'd, I wouldn't want to make a very generic statement because I think that these things are also show dependent on what that requires. But right at the beginning, till people sort of worked on and found solutions, obviously anything that you're shooting in a location that you can sort of, you know, treat like your own bubble, that becomes relatively easier. But then look, here we are with Idol, which is not exactly like that, but we found solutions and worked around it, right? And then again, if you're shooting a scripted series somewhere outside and there's travel involved and there's insurance involved and there are flights and safety, uh, safety hazards involved, right? Then that becomes a question mark. So I really think this is project to project, idea to idea. But overall, I'd say that anything that you can sort of manage within a bubble is relatively safer and faster to get on with than any, any anything which is without that. What recovery is now taking place? I think that as we've delivered these kind of shows and it's been done safely and people are staying okay and fine and we're still getting uh, good reactions from the audiences and those things are not compromised, people are getting more confident to sort of, you know, open a little more. Still not completely there, but I think that it's opening up more relatively. I also think that the ad revenue bit is slowly coming back into the market. So I think that that recovery is happening because that's that's an overall impact of business per se, right? It's not just the television industry. I mean, sponsors and all of that that they run. I think that overall is in recovery mode now. Did viewing figures go up across India? Because I know in the UK, because of lockdown, more people were watching TV than ever. Was it similar in India because there was nothing else to do? Yes, absolutely. They did. And again, the other trend which was common with the world over in India were the digital platforms really picked up a lot, right? So that, and by digital, I just don't mean the Netflix and the Amazons of the world, but I also mean the OTT platforms of the traditional broadcasters. Those also picked up viewing. So that's definitely happened here too. Yes. And are you noticing that there's a specific program that's now more popular because I think in the UK for example people are wanting light-hearted fun things to watch is that similar in India? Yeah I think it is you know I mean there was uh, there's a time and space for that right Ruth through last year when people were doing some amazing stuff for instance uh, uh, online right from the safety of their homes or wherever else that they were right people sort of lapped that up because it was nice people were doing little concerts uh, as best as they could and all of that that cheered them but I do think that people now sort of want to look beyond that because it's been a long tunnel and now there is light at the end of it with the vaccine providing that light, right? So people do uh, look for more entertainment and happy stories, aspirational stories, stories that are, you know, I mean, I put it in the larger umbrella of irresistible entertainment because I think that really works very well for Fremantle. But I would agree, uh, stories that sort of show you the sunshine part of life, right? Uh, that's nice to see. Um, and how has actual television production changed post-pandemic? Do you think the bubbling and the wristband that you mentioned they'll be there to stay for years to come or do you think it will go back to normal sort of once the pandemic is, is over well you know I think this is all a very moving piece and we will adapt and see as we need to and keep uh, changing things as we need to I hope it's not forever <laughs> I I just hope that we get to a place where it is uh, it is how it used to be. But I do think that there are some learnings from this which will stay as part of the business, right? For instance, when we were doing the 12th season of Idol, one of the things that I mentioned earlier about the auditions, right? And we were going online. There is that little thing of the niggling thing that goes like, well, we're going totally online with this, right? And how's that going to really go in our country? And then we realized that actually with online, our participation increased. And I think that's, again, a connection to real life because 
because see what happened to education, right? Uh, a lot of people, because schools went online, you know, even people in the staff got mobile phones for their children. However, they could make that ends meet, right? Because they wanted to get the medication and that penetration increased. And therefore, more and more people were able to access it online. And our participation actually increased overall in the show, right? So I think some things that have come out through the pandemic will remain as a hybrid. And some things I hope go away. I mean, I would love to see a studio audience back on some of these shows, right? I was just wondering, because I know for a long time and people have been desperate to crack into the Indian television market. How do you think international producers and companies can tap into the Indian market? I think it's a great opportunity. I think there's over a billion people sitting, uh, waiting to be entertained over here. So that's definitely a market that's there. If I had to sort of just offline think of the most important thing, to me, that would be uh, what we do for any format when we adapted to India. It would be to be extremely sensitive to our culture and our, you know, what, what would we like. So, so localization, if I may use that word sort of, but otherwise, yeah, the more the merrier, right? I mean, there is place for that. The pandemic has shown us that. It's just literally become a global village. Everyone's consuming content from all other languages and all of that. So that's going to happen. But I would say to keep localization as an important factor for success. I think that would be really important. And we did touch upon this earlier, but what shows do you uh, do well among Indian audiences? Are there any particular format or genres that... Um... I, mean, I mean, drama. Drama is something that definitely reaches out. That, that's a big part of our uh, overall catalog for the Indian audience consumption. And again, when you talk Indian audience, it's very vast, right? Because we've got a whole world of regionals as well. It's not just the national language Hindi that we're talking about. So there's that too. And in the unscripted space, I would again say that shows that are really aspirational, like that kind of stuff really reaches out to people. That really works well for them. But if I had to find a common connection between them, I would say emotional shows. Uh, Indians are emotional. <laughs> and I think that kind of emotion where you see any kind of human emotion being brought to life uh, beautifully, that really resonates with our audiences. Also, Indian producers looking to export formats internationally. Is that something you do at Fremantle? In here? Yes, we're very actively looking at it. Uh, and uh, I know you're going to obviously ask me at some points of what's new. And there is stuff that, you know, I, I'll combine the two, uh, preempt that a little bit and combine the two if you don't mind. There is stuff that we're doing right now. We definitely are looking at that. We definitely are. I mean, it's happening. It'll come your way at some point. Can you tell me anything about the, the international formats you're working on, like genre, or have you got to keep <laughs> tight lips? For now, my lips are sealed. When the timing is right, I will absolutely let you know. I also wondered what new trends do you think are emerging in production and in scripted and unscripted shows? I think definitely what you said earlier about people really looking uh, in terms of content, really looking for stuff that is happy and nice and, and you know that happening and therefore production sort of supporting that kind of content and doing things. So bubbles, like, like I said, I see a lot of that right now. I think people are doing that to sort of keep the safe because it's not exactly behind us, right? We're the fag end, thank God, but um, there's still some time to go. So I'm definitely seeing that. I think collaborations, that's another thing uh, that's come through very strongly uh, in this route. I mean, we did um, Hello 2021, which was basically a New Year event that we did for YouTube. And Fremantle did this across five territories for YouTube, including the US and UK, right? So I think collaborative things like that, that's really uh, something that I see emerging and that's going to stay here for a while. And it's amazing how the rules of engagement give or take a few things for localization really remain the same, right? What shows have been successful for Fremantle India in the past couple of years? What have been your most successful? Well, we've uh, we've got our typical franchise, which is really, really successful. There is Idols. Uh, there is India. So Indian Idol, basically, and India's Got Talent. Those are two shows that we do year on year, and they're really, really, really good for us. Uh, then there's TED Talk. 
talks that we do, which is something that we're really proud of. That's brilliant. I mean, we've already done two seasons of that, uh, which is really great. And then there are other things that we're doing in terms of experiment that keep coming and going. But but these three, I would put them right on top over there, frankly, in terms of uh, season on season returns. Is there anything that you found either at Fremantle India or any other sort of production um, outfit in India that doesn't work for Indian audiences? Is there a particular show that people would switch off instantly? Well, I don't know about naming shows, but I think culturally what I was talking about earlier, if there is a show that is too far out rude, then I think audiences tend to, you know, reject that in India. I mean, that's what I've seen over more than 20 years in this business. So there's something that sort of makes you feel small as a person. I think culturally we don't, uh, whether it's in a game show or any other kind of show, even even if you take a scripted place, which is coming from that kind of a thought process, uh, the audiences are not really taken to it well. There are some countries where it's perfectly fine to be very upfront and sizing up shows also do well, but that's not, uh, that's not the case in India, I think. Aradhana Bola from Fremantle, India. It's a year since the launch of German scripted label Made For, a business set up by former Wiedemann and Berg execs Nani Urban and Guna Junken under Endemol Shine, which shortly after became part of Banerjee Group. The two Made For joint chief executives spoke to Michael Pickard about that process, how the pandemic changed things, how new streaming platforms are shaking up the television landscape, and their focus on instant fiction. So I'm Nani Erben and I'm one of the CEO and producer of Made4. Gunnar Junken, the, the other half of the managing directors of this company, I'm CEO and producer as well on Made4. Both of us are nearly 20 to 25 years in this industry. So it's just been over a year. It was February 2020 that Made4 was first established. I mean, tell us a bit about how you both came to become part of Banerjee Germany, which on, on a wider level, Banerjee was obviously going through a bit of a, a change with you know the merger that was kind of coming to an end, I guess. So tell us how Made4 came out of that in, in Germany. I was one of the managing directors because of Wiedemann and Berg and um, nearly one and a half year ago. And um, in February last year, we launched the Made4 because we are based in Berlin. We have a team of 17 employees here and we expanded somehow um, last year with uh, two more producers, Tasia Abel, you know her, for international co-production and Rima Schmidt for the German market. And in the summer, we joined Bunny J Group and we are somehow a boutique-style company and um, we are the only the fiction label in Germany and it's perfect to be part of such a European group. And in addition to this, we had a spectacular year. You know, we had, first of all, the beginning of the company in, in January, February, setting up a company, building up all the milestones um, you want to have when the company employs uh, uh, producers and friends. And then we were into this universe with Animal Shine. And then the big merger with Animal Shine and Bunny J came up. And then um, we merged with this fantastic um, new universe. And then in addition to this pandemic, of course, and um, it was a year. And uh, But still, yeah, epic. As Nani said, you know, we, we are totally proud of being part uh, in the line of, of, of all the big brands and fantastic scripted brands. Let's say Curious, Tiger Aspect, Yellowbird and all these um, film lands, these fantastic friends um, around the world. And that's that's great for us uh, being here. And uh, we were really fantastically supported by uh, Lars Blomgren, head of scripted. And Markus yeah, Deutscher from Germany. Of course. Really, it was a full year with all these uh, setting up and 
and and and finding your footpath, you know, where you want to want to go, and um, struggling and, and and surviving and all this stuff. But on the other hand, ha having had uh, such a warm welcome with the with the friends of Funny J from all over the world. And just tell us a bit about how um, you've kind of set out the company to produce scripted series, not only for Germany but also you know potentially with Banerjee partners around the world and and take a, a foothold in international drama as well. How have you set out your stall and and how are you developing series on both local and international fronts? Yeah, just to, to make one point clear, I built this team for seven years within the Wiedemann and Berg and we just split it and launched into the Made Four. So we were grateful because we are already producing the procedural, very famous series Tatort and um, we um, could win one of the best um, comedy showrunners in Germany, Ralf Fußmann. We have an exclusive deal with him and um, we started to produce two comedy series on top and so our ambition is to attract attention with our um, exciting shows somehow and to deal with a relevant topic or to produce something special and unique and to work with new talents so this is what was our ambition and then we had a lot of challenges and um, um, this is where we are now because of the pandemic it's very hard to make international co-productions but um, we are working on some yeah and along to our business in, in Germany and our industry here, it's fantastic to have a network like Danny J. We can reflect our business. We can reflect our challenges and milestones with the other producers around the world. And uh, it's difficult to set up a co-production. That's no news, you know, for everybody. You know, it's um, it's still challenging, but um, it's fantastic to have the opportunity to remake, to have the opportunity to buy licenses and, and, and license wherever you want to and find different and work with different creative backgrounds, you know, with, with friends from Israel, with friends from Europe, wherever or, or, or the States. Uh, it's so great to see their ambitions, to find something which could work worldwide. That's always challenging, you know, and uh, looking for something which works into the market as a brand. And of course, always we try to to look at, at the opportunity to co-produce worldwide. Would you say um, Made For has, a, a, I guess, a particular identity in terms of the types of shows you look to make or themes or the style of the shows that you produce? Is there something that, you know, people would watch and say, oh, that's, that's Made For? For us, the ambition is to be very unique in our shows. I love to entertain, but to deal with a topic or um, a, a contemporary zeitgeist uh, theme, but it must be entertaining. And um, I mean, this is the biggest challenge to reach a wide audience, but to deal with a topic. But either through the topic or we try to work with young talents behind the camera. We have these established procedural crime series, Tatort. It's very famous in Germany. And we have given a large number of filmmakers the chance to realize their first movie, their first picture. And I mean, three years now we did this and or four years and we are very successful together. I mean, our last Tatort, we had 10.8 million viewers on one normal Sunday evening. And this is really great. And for the talents, it's somehow like <laughs> the, the world is open now. And this is inspiring for both of us. We really love it to be before or behind the camera unique somehow. And in a way, it's dealing with the audience. That's normal and regular business for every producer, I think. And thinking about relevance, you know, about diversity and, and things like this, that's the impact we always want to have in our scripted productions and it's if it's comedy if it's labeled as crime it's always the 
these themes we are driven by. And in the end, this means boutique for us, you know. We, we are really producers by heart. I think we love and live what we are doing. We really promote female directors. And this is to be a real harbor that the creatives, that they know what they get here. And um, that's the best ship they could get to get to their goals. And this is what we love. We, we've mentioned, you know, the, the pandemic this year. How has that just been for you on a production level? How, how has it changed the way you develop shows over the past year? And, and how have the shows that you've been looking to take into production been affected? For us, it was really hard because we launched in February and we started shooting three very big productions in March or in April, so one year ago. And then two weeks later, we stopped. And it was like running. <laughs> into a wall directly but Gunnar will explain to you more detailed we really managed this and it was somehow exciting and it was a fast way to come together in the team because we all had to deal with this problem and um, it was somehow also inspiring because we were sitting in and thinking okay what can we produce in this time and we did a small web series for Neo about a, a teacher doing homeschool comedy and it was very successful we shoot it within two months so also a catastrophe can be inspiring always as always you know what is it what is a lockdown what is a pandemic you know we, we never handled with such a thing like this everybody you know it, it had an enormous impact in every industry but it was on the other hand unacceptable for us to stop <laughs> you know because we are we are rolling train you know and it brings you to the point you know thinking out of the box and as, as Nani said you know thinking out of the box means creativity and developing everything you know it has to be fast it has to be relevant it has to be now and keeping the train rolling this was our mission we, we set up all these mechanisms to get back on track and we we, we were proud you know we, we finished our pipeline we finished everything in 2020 and that's great i mean it was seven movies and two series and we had no corona case but this is really we could be proud because we had a lot of sleepless nights because i was dreaming actors became sick and lying in the hospital and dying because of, um, yeah, we, we were shooting with them. So this was really somehow, yeah, very stressful. And, and how are things today? Because obviously you're, you're in production at the moment and we'll talk about a couple of your new shows shortly. But how, how are things evolved or uh, adapted since, you know, I guess this time last year? Have you put practices into place that you will keep? New lessons mm -hmm. about how to film that you'll carry with you? I think it's still a challenge. I mean, we know more and we have uh, really a little of things to do and to to take care of but um yeah we, we we have to deal with new problems every day looking at the scripts and keeping the idea of a script which we set up you know two years or one year ago you know and keeping this without any showing pandemic dystopia thing you know it's keeping yourself thrilled all the time and it's still the same it's it's nothing has changed you know it's still um, thinking out of the box and trying to find solutions and ways to to do it and uh, we are in the middle of an of a co-production prep, you know, an international co-production prep. We, we, you know, find ways and solutions with the partners. But what is really very, I think, um, interesting, the people are exhausted and they are scared. And um, last year, they were somehow grateful that we are shooting, that they could work, that they could earn money. And this year, it's different because they are really exhausted. So we have to deal with this problem and we have to talk more and communicate and everything. I mean, last year, in the end of the year, we, we thought, okay, 
next year it will be the best year, but it's not because, I mean, we have two very exciting period shows in pre-production, but we can't shoot them in Germany. And I think it will not be possible to shoot them this year. So we have to, to deal with it next year. And so everything is always on hold or we try to find solutions. And looking forward, thinking about this will be something, you know, um, for the whole industry, thinking about, you know, vaccinating, you know, what, what, what does it mean for our industry, you know, um, who will be, you know, and is it a chance for this one to get to the first row or, or to, to be the better ones? Um, thinking about this, you know, as well, that's what, what we see for this year is um, the impact of the last year. Okay, lots yeah. of producers push their products um, or push their shows to, to this year. They try to survive. We have as well as England has an, an, an insurance umbrella now set up for all the productions, which is great and helps to stay and, and, and to minimize the risk. But that's how it is. And um, really set up a production, as Nani said, you know, uh, really set up a production, uh, a high-end, you know, period piece, still difficult. And, and shooting in, in different countries like Czech Republic because of the tax rebate or Belgium because of, you know, their VFX uh, um, opportunities, blah, 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 stuff like this. That's really challenging. Question you know? mark. And, 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 and if, you, if you set up something like this, one and a half year ago and said, okay, we, we need one and a half years for prep for period piece, that's normal. And let's travel to Czech Republic. Let's find partners. Let's set up this thing. It's now in up in the air. And, 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 and we need to see where the light of the tunnel, tunnel is in the end. You know? Can you tell us a bit about Anne plus your remake of a, a Dutch series, I believe? Having Her is the English title of your shows. Can you tell us a bit about um, that story and, and perhaps why that was a format that you felt you could adapt for the local market in Germany? Yeah, Tasia Abel, um, she brought it to us. It's a fantastic piece. It's um, beyond the instant label. I will, I will talk a little bit later about this one. The, it's a very successful um, Dutch series called M Plus We Adapter. And um, it's it's LGBTQ plus um, female love story. It's so simple as it is. You know, she is, is in six episodes and we, we follow this the journey of Hannah throughout her uh, romances and affairs and heartbreaking and ultimately her journey to her self-love. And um, that's, a, that's a fantastic piece. And uh, we adapt, as I said, from M Plus. We learned over the years these new claims and, and words, you know, an instant fiction means what it is, you know, it's you have to be fast with everything, with the creativity, with the producing, with broadcasting. And it is a little bit like a like an instant noodle soup. You boil or cook this too long and it's it's not good, you know. <laughs> this is instant and now we had to stop because of COVID case and um, it becomes a little bit like um, chewing gum. No, uh, it's not instant at all. <laughs> we have to wait to, to, to get back on track, but it's really a short form. It's made really out of this N plus series and it's instant for us and for the broadcaster as well. A female um, director and a young talent. Absolutely. It's it's diverse, it's relevant, it's so Berlinish in the end. <laughs> And it's, it's so us, it's a good example for thinking out of the box, you know, what could be instantly be done or produced, you know, and what does it mean to the broadcaster in the end and their structures. Um, broadcasting something within one year, which is created and produced and everything, half a year. And it, it's it's fantastic for the audience because it's it's so fresh. It's brand new, fresh, relevant. Nothing can be more and better like this, you know, and uh, and it's good for us to, to, to get the feedback. Are we fresh enough? Are we clever enough? Are we good enough? And 
That's why we love this project. We love working with our big, fantastic public broadcast partner, ZDF. I love it. It's it's great. Fantastic. So we'll be seeing more instant fiction. Um, that's going to become <laughs> the new buzzword. It's part of this, what can we do, you know, and what is acceptable and what is, you know, really possible and how do we have to challenge ourselves? How we go this extra mile to deliver something within a short period and within a short time. And that's extraordinary to see how much energy you can bring out to realize it and to bring it on the on the street and to bring it on the pavement and to, to see what is possible. And just on that range of programming, I guess something else slightly different is Morella Saves the World, which is an eco-drama, I believe, you know. So can you tell us a bit about that and, and again, how you've developed that? Because that's an original production, I gather. So how you've developed that in-house and, and why that is something that you wanted to pursue. Yeah, thank you. Um, um, it's one of the shows from our um, showrunner, Ralph Fussman, and um, I really love it because um, it's a family comedy, somehow dramedy, um, you you would say, and um, Mireda is an uncompromising 13-year-old environmental activist, and um, I think her family would say terrorist, and she just wants a more sustainable life, and she wants to save the environment, but unfortunately, her family are not interested in this topic, and so her biggest enemies are living with her together, and as soon as Mireda is out of the house, they jump into the car, they're driving to the butcher for a five-minute walking distance, and they lit the grill, and um, they um, um, buy in the internet um, some new electronic devices, and dreaming of uh, flying into holiday, because they are not allowed to do this. <laughs> so um, I really love it. It's um, a very nice, new, fresh family comedy, but we deal with the topic, how is it to live with a girl who wants to change the world? And and so, yeah, that showcases, you know, the, the idea of, you know, balancing comedy with a theme or a, a topic that you yeah. is important and have something to say about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the um, series we did with Ralph together, um, Miss Jordan Equity, and um, we are very proud because we are very successful with this. We are already shooting um, the third season this year, and it's a comedy about a quality officer and um, so we did this already and we were successful so we cross our fingers that Mirella Saves the World is going the same way. Great and then that's for, for TV now I gather in Germany so I, I wondered how how these kind of local platforms that are kind of cropping up all over the place now how, how is that maybe changing the landscape for you in terms of places you know to sell you know pitches and, and the number of buyers that are, are in Germany at the moment how is that changing things for you in terms of your development process and and the competition as well to snap up content. Yeah, I think this is very interesting because many new clients um, have come into the market in a short period of time and they all try to find their own audience or to get the the, uh, the whole audience. For us, it's very exciting because um, the market opens. It's somehow a place to be creative and to do some more shows. But um, I mean, it's also challenging because um, we have to keep our German identity. We we have to think of what is really a German and, um, and what do the audience really want to see here. And it's somehow also very difficult to continue to stand out with um, our projects or shows um, in the amount of content. And the competition is getting bigger and bigger. And I think the biggest challenge is the struggle for talent because, I mean, they are not growing in the same way. So everyone has to find out where he is, where his audience is, and how they can build their own brand. But it's um, inspiring. It's, and, it, and it's 
still the, the the competition is fantastic for all local producers, you know. And and having having a local platform brings you to a new client. That's easy to say. But on the other hand, it's still as Nani said, you know, thinking about the let's say cultural or, or German identity, you know, which are the relevant themes in a period or in a time of globalization. What and where are the themes to find out, and 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 what are the genres to improve? And what is working in Germany, but what can travel all over the world? I mean, this is what the, the international streamers always ask us. We have the challenge to produce something for the German market, but which can travel. It's, which can travel, yeah. and, and is it really good enough? Is, you know, the thinking of the last 20 years enough to challenge into this new market? And 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 we, we see we have to really think about it every single day. We develop something. Nani Urban and Gunnar Junken from Made For speaking with Michael Pickard. That's all for this episode, but there'll be more from the podcast next week. In the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webtail. Thanks for listening. 